It's another week in the four-year reference household. A little change of format, but another PSA. The four-year reference household is a safe space, but it is also a place of growth. OT and I are staunch advocates of... If we're going to talk about it, we're going to fucking talk about it. So if you have not done the work, this episode may challenge you. Stop eating around the clit of truth, friends and lovers. If you believe only white people can be racist or don't believe in colorism, strap in, but not strap on because you might enjoy sitting on hard shit and I need you to focus. If you are not black or brown, you are welcome to this space, but it is not an open floor to occupy. If you are brown... You are brown. We are not black. We have experienced unspeakable pain at the hands of colonization and religion, but it is not the black experience. Also, we may benefit and be welcomed into black spaces, but it is not ours to occupy. Lastly, if you are black and felt conflicted at the heart of they fall or black on black slaps, OT is your steward and will keep you safe. Let's feel the hip hop. Let's get into the show, friends and lovers. Friends and rhythmic lovers, welcome back to the Four Year Reference Podcast. You got your host, Katie. And OT. From the 808s to the Pacific Straits, join your seasoned friends and lovers in an open dialogue on the black and brown experience with black culture. We'll also be reviewing the New Zealand documentaries, A Reason to Rhyme and Dawn Raid this week. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what a spicy, very on brand, muy caliente way to end AAPI month OT. Yeah, it is. Um, there is a part of me that uh, felt a bit conflicted in the sense that I don't think I ever put that much of a preface in our podcast, but I did it because maybe suddenly my brown people that don't know this podcast might stumble across it. Um, but I guess the, if, if we're being if we're being open kimono, Kendall from Succession um, right now, it feels weird that I am I am I, I provide all dimensions in regards to every facet of cinema and entertainment but I've been eating around the edges in regards to brown entertainment and I guess when I talk about brown people I'm talking about Pacifica as well as Maori people um, I guess the other browns can have other advocates fighting in their space <laughs> um, so let's let's get into the show like we mentioned this was kind of spawned off the reason to rhyme documentary um, and we will be giving a general sort of review view on the documentaries but I guess essentially what spawned this concept for a new sort of format into the four-year reference podcast was there was a central theme of hip-hop belongs to no one Mm. wow is that is that foreboding of times to come OT (laughs) (laughs) so I guess again there was a preface it was very cute it was very um, reminiscent of the slaps if you enjoyed the last line um, with OT but I I guess the point of what I'm saying and why I want to get to this is globally around the world we all benefit from black culture whether we're speaking about general black culture or African-American culture there's a lot of resonating themes 
dreams globally that everyone can have, even if they're not black. You know, I've said it many times on this podcast. It is a black film, but it's not just to be enjoyed by black people. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the lines can be blurred on ownership and I guess also pain, struggle and trauma as well. So through the lens of open source hip hop OT, I just want to give, as we always love to do, our frame of reference. So if we're talking about hip hop specifically, when was it first introduced to you on the shores of Kenya? Um, and I guess how has it evolved up until today? So um, I think like many, I got introduced to hip hop very early in my age. Not um, many, if any. <laughs> uh, through my brother and he was into the NWAs, Wu-Tang. And you know what? Back then, young kid, uh, you know what? It, it, it was just passing me by. Yeah. Couldn't really grasp through it. But I came to my own once I really started getting into um, Biggie and Park. And then it expanded my mind. And then I went back to the NWAs. And that expanded my mind for what hip-hop is. Uh-huh. And then you'd have Kenyan artists who were also doing their thing. Yep. And it's sort of different. It's, of course, that you could see and you could draw the parallelism of all it. But they'd put their own spin to it, yep. adapt to it. And then you have Kenyan hip hop. Yeah. So taking all that into account and, and it being a basis for my music enjoyment, I don't come here and claim that, hey, Kenyan hip hoppers or rappers invented the shit. <laughs> It's <laughs> oh wow, we're gonna get to it before we even get to the review. Hey? No, I, I, I'm just saying, um, there's been plenty. Uh, you could tell some have borrowed styles from either most deaf, like you could tell so much, yeah, that oh, this this guy is spitting like this because of you know, you could tell, but there were different struggles, right? There were different struggles, yeah, you know, they're speaking their truth and, and their struggles because it's completely different from what the African American struggle is, yeah, you know, we black the black experience is common everywhere but it's also sort of distinguished between borders once you cross that border you'll experience the fuck all same other person is experiencing <laughs> but on the other side of that border it's still a black experience nonetheless um but we're not here to pretend that there's nothing to ownership or there's nothing to at least paying an ode to where it came from it's it's nothing bad i think that's where we actually get to see a lot of black successful people in the you know in the past don't really people don't really know of them you'd have to watch movies like even figures even know the fucking black people in nasa back in the day yeah you know it's wild so if you're not really keen into reading books like that or trying oh, to oh, oh, we're getting cerebral <laughs> up in this bitch no, rt like, nasa's entered like the chat like you're not into getting details on specific you're not going getting out of your way you'll never know these things because it's not taught in schools you're not mm. given this information like in kenya we learn about everything every single shit that happened to our country yeah africa and the world yeah and I feel like a lot of people that I've come across, they just focused on their own country. Like, per se, Americans will only mostly focus on American history. Yeah. You, as an Australian, you told me it was Australian history. That Some... felt loaded calling me Australian, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... but Claim it... my pigment. Claim my melanin. How dare you? <laughs> it was a big bonus on us, you know, and I think it just brought into the into the sort of worldview or how big the land 
lens is. So yeah. when you're looking at it through that way. But either way, I do appreciate uh, what's been brought, uh, be it hip-hop from either America or Kenyan hip-hop or even African hip-hop at large. You know, there's the great artists now doing the thing from Kenya and Africa. You know, it's just wonderful to watch. You know, things can grow. Things You can still maintain your originality, but not pretend that... I'm the one that invented this. It's like just because there's an influence doesn't mean it means any less to you. Yeah. And I think that's part of the point. And it's interesting that you bring that up. I is something that I wanted to touch on as well. You know, if we talk about like the early sort of beginnings with the 808s, you know, if we're talking about the 70s, if we're talking about the 80s, that was a very transformative time in America. And I talk about it a lot. I reference it wherever I can. But, you know, change and radical change or even just change in general doesn't happen in conservative spaces because it is in the best interest to keep the status quo. So all of the arts, all of, you know, a lot of the music had shit to say, right? Mm. But even then, a lot of the hip hop, a lot of the rap that had shit to say was very specific to the United States of America. Yeah. So I guess the question that I wanted to come to with you, you know, even talking about like Kenya gaining independence, like I can only imagine the the richness of music that was supplemented for the time. It wasn't necessarily playing NWA like in freedom marches and that sort of thing, was it? No. And, and that's the thing. Like we have our own identity and our own music and it's, it's things that you grew up listening to up till now. Like I go, I would go back and listen to things I used to growing up, you know, mm-hmm. that's so removed from what's mainstream now yeah. and what's been sort of commercialized now. So it's it's that sort of way in which I could respect what an artist in the late 90s um, would do. And you could tell, oh, he's trying his own spin on yeah. hip hop and it's quite good yeah. because you get some Kenyanness there, but there's that international appeal to break through the boundary and that sort of thing. So that your music or Kenyan music isn't just located within the country and can sort of be consumed from majority of the people yeah i think that was a battle where a lot of the people were fighting because for the longest time and at least growing up yeah it used to feel like a small microcosm of where uh, our music is appreciated yeah and then once it started uh, adopting a little bit of more international sort of appeal then you start seeing the appreciation you know you get people like um salty soul have been doing their thing for such a long time beautiful but in their earlier stuff, it used to be so you different. And if you listen to Salty Soul at the start and you listen to them now, albeit it's not fucking hip-hop, you can still see the transcendence of how they they broke through. And I think while we're saying, like we're talking about hip-hop, but we're just talking generally about black culture. Um, you know, we even covered Rafiki as our first sort of offering during Pride Month. Um, and, you know, homosexuality is still illegal in Kenya. And unfortunately, a lot of the Pacific as well, it's illegal as well which again is the um, tangible sort of ramifications that we're still feeling from colonization. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing to have art to be able to underscore, you know, the feelings of the public. It might not necessarily be reflected in the law, but we see that. And, you know, even talking about Salty Soul, we have Chimano who, um, you know, he is able to express himself through his art, even though, again, the laws aren't necessarily where they should be. Mm. Um, so I, I guess I'll come to me, my introduction to hip hop um, in Australia. I will concede that I am not a music critic, if, if anything. So it really is just speaking from 
from my experiences but it's it's the same thing you know older brothers cousins um whenever you go to like family functions there's the general sort of ambiance and fanfare and then once you get to like your early sort of teens you kind of sneak back to like you know the other side of the backyard if you're rich enough or maybe to another bedroom where you start <laughs> playing like rap or you know more current sort of contemporary the cool sort of music um at the time i do remember that i really enjoyed a certain rendition of cherish the love and ot poo-pooed me out of the house (laughs) for a week um but there's and also the brandy and uh ray j version (laughs) of another day in paradise don't besmirch black culture ot (laughs) phil collins who (laughs) Um, But, you know, again, a lot of Tupac, a lot of Biggie. um, But even then, at at my young sort of age, I was still able to separate the fact that this is really cool. You know, they're talking about not necessarily being treated the same as mainstream slash white. But I also didn't find myself connecting, you know, control C, control V right on the same pane that was being rapped about. Mm. And I guess the reason why I want to lay that out there is because, you know, we have a TV and film podcast. I'm so happy with the collection um, of cinema, whether it be TV shows, whether it be English speaking, whether it be subs and dubs, like whatever it is, whatever we're covering, I love that we can cover it and we can cover it with a frankness. And I guess in saying that, and I, I playfully say it all the time, but I do make it very clear that I am not black. Like there is so much that we cover in regards to black issues via you know most recently we did boys in the hood the harder they fall you know um belly these are like also very coincidentally one of my favorite sort of recordings with ot because we're really able to get in and and nourish ourselves in dialogue in shit that matters the five bloods as well there's there's so many resonating themes but i never make allusions to the fact that tandiwe my black pain is your black pain bro <laughs> like I, I would never try and copy and paste my shit on top of that. Um, and there's, there's obviously some things I want to talk about in regards to the documentary, but if I'm just talking about me as a young impressionable, you know, I talked about it in, in head high. I've talked about it in probably every Australian thing we've covered. So Redfern now, mystery road, total control. Um, also the sum of us as well during pride month. Um, like I've talked about how when I was young and unfortunately even now if you turn on a screen in Australia you're going to see a lot of white people and it's not necessarily reflective of the whole of Australia right Mm. yeah get my shock when I thought Australia was like neighbors (laughs) (laughs) well Kylie's coming back so that's some sort of redemption right yeah yeah looking forward to the last episode eh? oh I guess live stream OT OT leading the live stream yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I I guess the point that I, I'm saying is, you know, even though I had my, you know, the, the community, whether it be church, whether it be Tongan, realistically, in a general sort of everyday Australian, yeah, we weren't really in spaces. You know what I mean? So I can kind of see, and it is kind of sad that it took having to watch or to consume.
consume American media to find something that, oh, okay, so there are struggles and maybe they they can overlap with mine. So that's a sad layer for another day. But I I just want to make it very clear that in no way did I ever, you know, try and sully myself to the fact that, you know, this pain is absolutely my pain. You know, we can talk about over-policing in ethnic multicultural areas, but we're not talking about the same sort of situation that happens in the US. Let's move on to the next theme Um, from the 808s to the Pacific Straits. And obviously I can mention stuff. I'm actually more curious about um, what OT has to say. Um, Personally, I don't think I've actually said it explicitly on the podcast, but personally, and I guess for those that aren't Pacific Islander, um, and I guess maybe it's different, but I would say it is quite the same. Maybe not like US Pacific Islanders. I've been on poly Twitter. I see that there's a difference, friends and lovers. Um, But if we're talking about like Australia slash New Zealand um, sort of islanders, the use of the N-word is so comfortable, Mm. which is wild to me. Friends and lovers, if you are not listening in a linear timeline or if you've just, um, you know, introduced and splooshed yourself and you haven't disappeared this far into the episode, um, in February we did cover Tarantino um, tastations and it was spicy and obviously there was a recurring theme of the use of the N-word um, in the six films that we covered of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even you shared your thoughts um, on the usage of the um, N-word as well. But I guess, like, for those that don't necessarily have that frame of reference, I will say, unfortunately, very embarrassingly, um, the use of the N-word is used quite comfortably in Pacifica spaces. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to listen to, um, you know, current and even in the early sort of 2000s, um, New Zealand hip hop artists, Australian artists. Um, Auntie Katie finally got into one for friends and lovers. <laughs> Um, so I was trying to listen just to get, you know, a better sort of appreciation. I think, you know, um, you know, with Kendrick's most recent album, but really I haven't really updated my discography, um, since then, or even like forbidden Mm. fruit with J Cole, J Cole is OT's favorite artist. DM him later. (laughs) 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 Um, but I, I guess I was listening to, um, the music and I didn't necessarily hear the end word but then that was what was very confusing about the documentary a reason to rhyme which we'll come to but I guess I just wanted to you know set it out fairly early in this recording unfortunately you know even the religious Pacifica are very comfortable um, with saying the n-word and you know there is a layer and we also saw it in the Panthers um, there is a layer of we were called the n-word but also at the same time OT, OT comes out with some beautiful uncut cut if you're nasty gems um and he says racism doesn't have to be smart you know (laughs) like we we could like even with the naming of png as well Mm. like you know even the discovering of apparently india like the united states like racism slash colonization like it doesn't have to be smart so the usage of the word um i guess definitely has a different sort of weighting but again in the preface in the psa we're going to fucking talk about about it. If you're not ready for it, if you want to sit in the center and and keep the status quo, then absolutely, by all means, 
that's your, uh, I guess, Bobby Brown, non-appropriated prerogative. Mm. You know, and 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 I I will also admit when I was very young, I tried, but it was very much like a Key and Peele sketch. B. Be- <laughs> it just feels like it just didn't feel right to me. And I think it's also with the the idea that there's no overlap. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, as uh, trying to be conscious, um, maybe Nas level conscious in this world, you know, I try to do the work within my community, but you'll find out very fast if there are brown people that want to say the fucking N word, they will defend that till their dying day. <laughs> and why do you think that is? Like because they were called the N word, or is it because they're not white? Ooh, bang, 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 bang. The dance hall belongs to OT friends and lovers. <laughs> no, it's a serious question. Genuinely, it's because we're not white. I, I think, I think it's if we're going to have a real conversation, and I, you know, we even talked about it in Candyman, um, how it's not just white people that gentrify. We talked about it in Pachinko. It's not just white people that colonize. I think it's easier. To, to point out that because we're brown, we don't need to deal with this shit. We don't need to do the work. Because personally, you know, when when we're, because I think uh, when we were watching Four Blocks, 100% recommend go and watch it. But like, I was like, if we were to see anyone else that wasn't brown using the N-word, to me, it's just as cringy when brown people say it. Like, I don't understand how brown people think it's different. It's the fucking same and that's what makes it worse. Mm. But but to specifically answer your question, again, we're in a lot of spaces that are very white but are very non-brown. And in a lot of cases, I know this will shock you, OT, because we've talked a lot of times how in Kenya you said, I, if I'm not black, I'm white. And then you you came here and you realize if you're not white, you're black here. Um, I, that's a fun little tidbit. We talk about a lot, friends and lovers, but this may shock you, but there are instances with my whole light skin ass that I'm the darkest person in there. Mm. My pasty brown ass is the darkest person in the room. Yeah, yeah. And I think that goes back to we've gone through a lot of struggles. Again, like I talk about the fact that like the Dawn raids are quite new to me. Even like using Pacific bodies for labor was quite new to me. Um, it, it happened in Australia. It's still happening in Australia. It happened in New Zealand. Um, so it, it is something that's new. It is absolutely the word slavery, you know, um, but it is not on the scale of 400 years of slavery Mm. and it's also not what that white english guy said in um hate thy neighbor where he said white people were the first slaves (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't watched hate thy neighbor with jamali it's very good um definitely would recommend but i love the question that you're bringing ot because it is very real and very simply it's because we're not white so we kind of exist within the space of ambiguity and i think our proximity Proximity to blackness and our proximity to whiteness kind of gives us the fucking cheek to show our whole ass. And that's mm. the problem. Um, but in, in regards to this particular theme, I just want to get general thoughts from you. I'm not even talking about, you know, is it right? Is it okay? Who owns it? That sort of thing. Just the fact that like there is a section of Pacific hip hop and even like Pacific reggae. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I would imagine 
imagine, you know, growing up in Kenya, when you think the word Islander, perhaps you're thinking of like the Caribbean, right? I didn't even take it that way. I think I just simply enjoyed the music regardless of where I thought it was coming from. I don't think those questions came to me on thinking, oh, is this Pacific Islander? Is this <laughs> Jamaican? What is this? I, I, I didn't draw. But I think reggae is a bit easier to like meld into there. You can tell the difference between like island hip hop. Yeah, not. you can tell the difference, but I don't think it was it was a distinction. If you tell me that either I'm listening to Morgan Heritage or Jay Boog, at the end of the day, it's the enjoyment that I took from it uh-huh. rather than distinguishing, oh, Jay Boog and Morgan Heritage go in different baskets. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't that. Okay, um, I want to get into a couple of more themes and then we'll talk about the documentaries. Um, I want to talk about the identity of the Pacifica diaspora. And we kind of talked about this um, in the Panthers episode. I don't believe that, like, if we if we talk about, like, the African diaspora, like, there is a very specific identity to being, like, an African in the UK, right? Mm. There's a difference to being an African in the US. Yeah. And I guess OT can decide whether there's a difference between being an African in Australia. All the same. <laughs> Melting pot. <laughs> um, I personally um, don't believe that, like, Pacifica people have a, a like a a distinct diaspora identity personally for me because I was brought up with a very traditional like a mother that stays at home the homemaker and then a father that went out to work but it was always within the view of giving back which is fine but then you're not necessarily planning forward with finance literacy for example you know with building the foundations of what the future is going to look like it's always about taking care of your own and sending money back home and it was a very common sort of conversation especially for my parents to be like hey when we're going to get quite a bit older we're going back to the islands Mm. it was always a mindset of we're here for opportunity but this isn't necessarily our home and I don't necessarily or maybe I'm just in different circles but I I don't necessarily feel like um, there is a, a, a laying down of roots outside of the Pacific. I think it kind of made roots just because we were so far removed from, at least for my family speaking. Yeah. Uh, my father, his home is out in the rural areas in mm. uh, in Kenya. And we they all moved when they were really young to the Nairobi, which is the um, capital city. Yeah. And they've lived there all their lives. So even when kids are going back to their rural homes during Christmas and shit to see their grandmothers, we were just always in the city. Yeah. And would be pretty much during holidays, we'll just be alone there because everyone, everyone of your friends has already traveled. Mm-hmm. So it became this sort of, okay, Nairobi is all we've known. Yeah. Um, once my family sort of started moving and going to different countries, they found their own roots and they built their families there and... And yeah, they'll go back to Kenya and visit. Uh, For me, I think personally, I'd look forward to possibly going back just because of the vibes. And (laughs) speak freely, my love. Yeah, like I spent a lot of years there. Yeah. I think uh, knowing what Australia has to offer, which is a good country, uh, great opportunities and all that. But in future, if I want to retire, I I see myself just going back and kicking up. You know, uh, Sydney Sydney is really, really busy. It's sort of Nairobi in a magnified level. Uh And I want to move away from that. So if you're retiring, yeah, why not? Yeah, for your reference. 
in Kenya soon, friends and lovers. <laughs> Are we doing that soon, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, if we can get some podcast pennies. <laughs> um, I don't even mean that in a pejorative sort of way. I just like that's that's genuinely how I feel, especially when you when you grow up like in Australia. I grew up in Western Sydney, which is very multicultural. Um, you kind of traverse two different worlds because the world that you go to school in where you're allowed to ask questions is not the same world where you can ask questions because that becomes, again, challenging the norm, challenging mm. the status quo. Um, and, you know, it's it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, there, there are great things that can be benefited from different sort of worlds. But, like, I personally don't, like, or maybe we just need more sort of, like, generations. Like, even if you look at different generations and different races that have, like, embedded in America, for example, even if it's through like really violent and tragic ways, there are generations of wealth that come from that migration. Mm. And I, again, maybe I'm not in the right circles. I'm just speaking from my experience. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of building the foundation that already exists as opposed to the future foundations for yourself and other generations to come. Yeah. You know, people take out loans for like their kids' birthdays and shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure you can relate to that. Like the, the, the the air the image of like having the money when everyone knows by god you don't mm-hmm. all right um let's go into the next theme and this is kind of um you know uh, kind of the reason why um i wanted us to cover it on this podcast also shout outs to emily um from studio kin for the gentle nudge um to want to explore this particular concept and episode um this is another theme i'm borrowing from the panthers don't rock the boat, baby. The waves of culture and religion. So this moves perfectly from the previous theme that we talked about. And again, this is going back to my research in regards to this particular episode that we're releasing this week. Every every instance of art for me is a piece of art that is to be spoken about, is to be cherished, is to be reacted on. Like everything that exists in the ether is is there for feedback. Mm. And mm. and I guess with a double-edged uh, splooshy plug, perhaps for this podcast as well, like everything is open to interpretation, especially if we're talking about the arts. And something that I thought was quite interesting researching for this episode is I don't really see a lot of like music critics that review New Zealand slash Pacifica diaspora hip hop. Right. I, I guess the best way to say it is in the OT Zuckerberg metaverse, we are a TV and film podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're also ready to give you the one, two punch in regards to how we feel. Um, our hot takes are very muy caliente and we're always going to get into depth and discuss particular themes or any sort of qualms, any sort of Delroy Lindo quarrels or any Christoph Waltz quarries. We're always going to talk about shit. And, you know, whether it's about black cinema, whether it's about a Korean drama, whether it's about beautiful Mads Mikkelsen grieving on a bike, 
I will always give my opinion and, and I guess what I was able to tangibly hold on to um, in regards to particular themes introduced in narratives. And it, I don't know how I feel about the fact that New Zealand hip hop is not being challenged in any, like in any, 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 any way. Um, you know, OT is a staunch advocate of settle your shit within the circles and don't take that shit public. OT is very much that, right? Yeah. Um, my fundamental sense of self, which I've mentioned a lot on the podcast, you know, I, I was I was a young woman living in the city, so naturally I was straddling the devil every week, and I'm not even talking about OT. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to to live outside of the expectations and and the the predetermined path of what it was to be a young brown woman, a, a Tongan Mormon woman in Australia, all of those fucking obligations, those were arbitrary circles. I stepped over that shit, right? So like even personally within my life, I I put myself at the centre, right? It wasn't necessarily like about the community and that sort of thing or trying to keep the peace, so to say. And that's that's kind of why I named this theme Don't Rock the Boat, baby. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder if there is a reluctance within our brown circles to not want to call people to account in regards to saying the N-word or or trying to claim hip-hop is theirs. But it it is interesting because, again, I, I navigate as a Will Smith iRobot individual. Wow. Yeah, there's your reference, OT. Um, and, you know, I, I love being able to enjoy things without having to stifle how I feel about something. Mm. So I do think it's quite interesting. I don't know if it's just that, like, population-wise, globally, like, it makes sense that there is a lot of, like, criticism, and I'm not saying criticism in a bad way, like music criticism, film criticism, um, in regards to all facets of cinema and music. I'm not necessarily seeing that um in regards to New Zealand hip-hop so is it a way like does that embolden the current scene or is it just people have other things that they're caring about and they're not necessarily focusing on it but then I guess that also goes back to my fellow brown people um on you know whether they want to have that conversation or not you know I talk a lot about black Twitter um I'm very new to poly Twitter but even in the the recent times it that becomes a rotating topic of like you know, um, brown people that staunchly believe they should say the N-word. Even like islanders that grew up in California that their uncle knows Snoop Dogg. <laughs> they feel like, you know, that's their claim. That's their card. Yeah, I hear that. I think there's also some... Uh- in Kenyan, at least hip hop, uh, growing up, would get artists who would mimic uh, hip hop that would sound American, and mm. they'd get a lot of slack for, "Hey, why are you sounding? Why are you just lifting and making it sound uh, super American? You're not American. Sing it like Kenyan way. Be yeah. a proper Kenyan hip hop rapper." And the question is, what the fucking is a proper Kenyan hip hop rapper? You know what? What is what is the fine distinguishing line between, "Hey, you can't sound like a." it being American hip-hop to it being Kenyan hip-hop. And you'd get artists that would come and push that boundary a bit. Yeah. And you'd, they'll Why get- do you sound like the black equivalent of what the people were saying in this New Zealand documentary? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because because it was, it was, it, it's it's an interesting discourse because even now with someone like Calif- Calligraph Jones, he sounds very American. He yeah. sounds very American. Yeah, yeah. I cannot tell him, oh, you cannot do this. No, why? Because at the end of the day, we, he, it's it's an ode to 
something that was, you know, where it came from. Yeah. It, it's, he sounds good. Why should I be the one who fucking gatekeeping shit? I shouldn't. But he's not coming here to say that he, he, he's not on the, on the front front saying, hey, hip hop is mine or hip hop is, is Kenyan or hip hop is where He's not saying that, sound. but you also feel like you need to protect him. I, Welcome friends no, and no, lovers no, 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 to no. a reason to reference. I'm not, I'm not protecting him per se. All I'm saying is, Fine. He can sound like whoever he wants to fucking sound like. Elvis fucking stole an entire... Oh! <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> and he's regarded as one of the fucking best people out there. Well, so we, what the fuck? We know who we're asking when they give us that. <laughs> <laughs> so don't come at me for saying that. It's like that. saying Fergie's the best vocalist. <laughs> but I think also to like lend some graces in, in all the black and brown spaces, if you're nasty, if you'll pardon the pun, um, it, it's natural to copy. Like, you know, even um, when we covered the Panthers, um, for those that haven't listened, I've kind of referenced it a million times already, but there was a chapter of like the Polynesian Panther Party to the Black Panthers in the US. And, you know, very naturally it makes sense to embody a lot of the foundational sort of principles, right? There were breakfast programs, there were Tudor programs. Um, there was also like a legal aid sort of book that the Polynesian Panther parties put together, it, it, as well as a lot of social change that happened in New Zealand. Um, and also in the same way, New Zealand hip hop kind of, you know, found its genesis in the American, um, you know, the, the OG pretty much, the OG mm. Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so so what I would say is, you know, even when you're saying like when you first got like artists in Kenya, it's not necessarily a bad thing that I was being copied, but it, it becomes an evolution. And I think you can't evolve if there wasn't a, a, an initial. Exactly. You have to be fucking influenced by something and everything, yeah. you know, you might feel like copying is a bad, but no, you're all fucking influenced by something. Yeah. But to say that that own sound exists in a vacuum is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Because it doesn't. But it it also makes you a bit a couple of steps from reality yep like you know friends and lovers you know you may enjoy and partake in ot but he's not yours he's also not mine oh yeah i thought i was yours no you get your own planet on colob (laughs) (laughs) that's another plug to our future under the banner of heaven um episode friends and lovers but let's get into the documentary we've already covered a lot of it um but there's a couple of things in general um i want to say it was interesting to me because, like I said, throughout this time that, um, you know, I, I discussed it with OT and I was planning that we were going to have this episode, you know, I've been listening to a lot of like the foundational um, sort of New Zealand on the ground um, hip hop. Um, and I never really heard instances of the N word. Mm. Um, and, but then again, I just randomly clicked on like one that, you know, was within the 2020s and I heard it in the first line. Um, so I guess it's like, tip for tap but I, I guess what was confusing to me was you know I also watched the Dawn Raid documentary um Oscar Kitely is no stranger to the four-year reference podcast um Brotown OT mm-hmm. um as well as Hunt for the Wilder People mm-hmm. he directed the documentary for Dawn Raid and um we've talked about Dawn Raid in the Panthers we've kind of talked about it here um but this label was created to inspire you know it, it I, I guess if we're talking about like claiming ownership of the dawn raids and you know becoming that phoenix that rises from the oppressive ashes Mm -hmm. so to speak right um 
that documentary was very interesting. But what I what I found about both of these documentaries was again, it was don't rock the boat, baby. No one was ever offering any sort of dimension. It was a very linear, we're going to tell you this story. Someone might call it bias, but we're going to tell you this specific perspective and we're not going to challenge that in any way. And you know, OT and I watch a lot of documentaries. Um, and part of what bothers us about when we watch documentaries, like even the WeWork one was a bit frustrating as well where they don't offer different sort of dimensions on the actual events. Mm. And I think that's what was happening um, specifically in regards to Dawn Raid. Um, There was a lot of mismanagement um, in regards to the actual label. Addies specifically, um, they're they're like an R&B singing duo. One of them um, was very vocal at the release of the film because he he felt like a lot of what he said got cut out. Um, And yes. And also based on the fact that they had the highest selling album that was bringing in a lot of the money for the label and the money that they were getting didn't reflect that, which, you know, I guess if we're looking back in time, shout outs to all of the great sort of, um, you know, biopic series. I'm thinking about the TLC one right now. Um, you know, if we even talk about Bobby Brown, new edition, um, you know, there's, there's a big conversation about owning the masters and, you know, owning your own music and getting signed into contracts where you don't necessarily sort of benefit right um that's a different conversation but the fact that it was so starkly not in this documentary felt like they wanted to create a particular sort of bias in the documentary they didn't want to be challenged at all mm-hmm. um and i thought it was quite interesting because um with brother d and also andy Murnane, he they, they both met at business school right that's how they met each other and they decided to create the label they started selling shirts which kind of funded a lot of their sort of um, recording time and eventually they got a studio. They were very enterprising. The dad helped a lot with them. They had like a hairdressers, they had a clothing apparel shop. Like they, they built a lot in regards to like the, the, the injection into the business, but then they kind of just skidded over the fact that they went into liquidation really quick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I guess if it was, if it was, I, I think the best way to describe it was it was a celebration of a point in time which cool but then if 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 you're only ever going to be celebrating and being very quiet on the potential i wouldn't say exploitation but the potential mistreatment of your own artist but you created this to give artists a voice it feel i feel a way it's got the roy wood jr residue of exploitation (laughs) (laughs) but let's talk about a reason to rhyme because we've both we both watched that together we had to pause a couple of times just to take a break um the reason why I mentioned the Dawn Raid one is because you've got the Decepticons um, and Mareko specifically, he was very vocal in A Reason to Rhyme. And I, when I watched Dawn Raid after watching A Reason to Rhyme, Mareko, he, it was like footage of uh, like a, in Australia, it's like a Today Tonight, like a, a news current affair um, mm. sort of program. And when Mareko was asked about what his influences were, he said, oh, you know, we really like what's happening in America and this is our take on it. That's what he said in the film that came out called Dawn Raid. But then a year later in the Reason to Rhyme documentary, he was saying, fuck that shit, this is ours. <laughs> yeah. Um, there some really hot takes in there. I remember Lady Six saying how she went to Tanzania and I don't even know what the fuck that was in there that's, to give us some but, cred. I don't but know. But that's so disgusting. <laughs> but can, 
can we also talk about how fucking disgusting that is? Like even in like professional sort of workplaces, whenever it comes up in conversation that like I've been to Kenya, I just stamp that shit out. Like, you know, cause there's, there's, there's some sort of like reverence. And I guess that's the reason why slum tourism exists. Like I'm not having this fucking conversation where you can feel better because you can talk about where you fucking volunteered overseas. Fuck that shit. Just because you fucking live there. What does that even mean? It gives us some cred, man. Uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, the whole idea that, hey, whatever inspirations we took from, that doesn't fucking matter. We've yeah. created um, New Zealand hip hop and that's ours. It's a fallacy. Yeah. Because A, you took influence from something to yeah. derive your new sound. Yeah. And it doesn't that sound, well, I've listened to a few. It doesn't sound that new. Um, no, no, no. This is not shots fired. It's 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 fucking hip hop at the end of the fucking day. Yeah, so shots are fired, OT Shug Knight. <laughs> so you could break it down, but it still falls under the genre of fucking hip hop. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be that far removed from it so that A, you can claim all the clout, or I don't even understand the increasing need for it to be like, oh, this is ours. Yeah, why, what? It's, it's perverted. Like, why? does it matter i have no idea like Like, why do you have to say that that no one else no one else influenced you this is all from your brain baby like why does that why is that such an important point yeah it's it's wild um i just don't understand that i think that's the one thing that i kept on struggling with you could hear them talking about everyone that they listened to growing up and then say hey i just did this outside the dome there's so many jokes about how how bland you know cuisine would be without colonizing india for example how bland would music be without black culture yeah like saying just because i spice my fucking food now it's original no <laughs> Well, Jamie Oliver would say that yeah. with his jerk chicken. <laughs> Jamie Oliver's jerk chicken. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> you know, that's the fucked up shit. But maybe that, that he believes he's the inventor of fucking jerk chicken, you know? He, yeah. he took his twist and put it in and that's fucking his master creation. But why 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 do brown people have that superiority complex? It makes no sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It really it, it, and that's what arced me about watching this. It just felt like a group of people who've done a few things in their like be it was, proud. It was embarrassing. No, like, like be proud of what you've done. Uh, being successful in hip hop or in music is so fucking easy. Yeah. You've done a fair bit. Yeah. Don't try and fucking shut that door. Yeah. Just because you think that, oh, because I I've become successful in a certain degree that I'm the master of this. Yeah. Because mm, you're not really. You just become Jaden Smith in Karate Kid. You're, <laughs> not, you're not the original. Um, it was it was DJ DLT. He was very audacious with the sense that like no one, it belongs to no one. But then he also tried to tie like Maori ancestry into hip hop. Yeah. Like, like, wh- which is it? Yeah. Yeah. If it belongs to no one, then fucking no one owns anything. Yeah. You can't pay odds to anything. Yeah. Um, which is fucking crazy. And whatever it is that makes you want to drive and claim that it's yours and it came out of the fucking void, it's just sick. You yeah. sound deluded. <laughs> You know, and I'm, you know, from Kenya, I really didn't get a lot of Maori stuff. Not at all, actually. So coming to Australia and Katie introducing me to a lot of it and listening to these guys as well. Um, you know, like you got me to listen to Scrab. Apparently they're really successful. And I was like, oh, this guy sounds cool. He's the most lyrical, I would yeah, say. Yeah, it, it was like, wow, shit. I would get down with this. Yeah. You know, and then some of the other stuff, those people were singing, you know, it sounds cool. All right. But I think Scribe is very specific to New Zealand. 
Mm. Like, I think that's, that's part of why I, cause obviously there are very hot takes about Scribe, but like, I think that's part of why I, I, I kind of have a little bit of respect for him because it sounds very specific to his experiences. Yeah. And I, and I loved it. You know, I loved his sound. But you know, what was embarrassing. Mm. Um, it happened in Dawn Raid, but it also happened in A Reason to Rhyme where it's kind of like, you know, um, well, I guess the equivalent is you go viral on social media and then Ellen would get you on their show. But you're kind of just the same person that you were, you know what I mean? And a lot of their their accolades that they felt about themselves was their proximity to OG on the ground hip hop in America, right? Yeah. So so why are you flying to this land that doesn't exist then and making albums with all of these artists, all of these producers? Oh uh, yeah, I had to go to New York to get to the grassroots. But you know what? That doesn't mean fucking shit because hip hop is ours. Hip hop is you and me. <laughs> like it's like it's it's fine, babes. It's fine. Like you can you can feel it. But just also know that you are that blonde lady that gets braids at Jamaica. Just know that. I think the most important takeaway is that, that for them to understand that it doesn't take away from their accomplishments. Yeah. Whatever you've done is is impressive. It's your own. Yeah. And you've achieved that. Yeah. No one's gonna take that away from you yeah you know you're a hip-hop artist it doesn't make it any better or, or, or more prestigious claiming that a whole genre belongs to you because it's not like champagne where you can only call it champagne if it's produced and manufactured there. in france yeah, yeah. it doesn't fuck it's not like that at like all anyone can create hip-hop yeah anyone can but me we see you Leighton Meester yeah like me coming up here and dropping a track and be like oh off the dome vibe it's my own uh, hip hop doesn't belong to anyone because that's hip hop because the last fucking years of my life didn't I was living in some fucking void that I didn't get influenced by anything I think it was a very brown circle I think that's part of what it is because it, again if you're not willing to do the work and you just surround yourself around people that continue to praise you and they're also not black as well like it kind of it kind of feels like folly and I think that's part of what we're getting and that's why you know again shout out to Emily but that's why like you know we're having this episode we're having this dialogue today because even you as a black person don't believe Kenyan slash African hip-hop is the U.S. hip-hop no it's not it's different yeah but but I could get the influence. I could get things leaking in and exchange. But the themes that are being wrapped about are intrinsic to being Kenyan, to being African, and it doesn't take away from it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, because they sing to things that they relate they relate to. Yeah. So I think they even added some fucking weird doctor in there to give. Yeah, some, Dr. Some... Kirsten Zemke. Let's give her some space. Fucking hell, man. She she. So again, like um, friends and lovers, if you want to do the work, since I keep threatening you with my dominatrix katie um go and do the work google blackbirding um like slavery did and i guess if you want to even talk about like the fruit picking now um happened to pacific islanders we were used for our labor hundreds of years ago um even now you have stupid dickhead um farmers complaining to the government that they have to spend money on accommodation for labor that they know they would never pay for rates for the everyday australian fuck off we don't have time for that but in this particular reason to rhyme um dr zemke was trying to liken that particular slavery to 400 fucking years of slavery in america that doesn't equal that and i guess if we i guess if we want to say that we've been through struggle say it but don't do it with the sam 10 d way chest because it's not the same fucking struggle 
Yeah, I don't know about that history. It's more that she just tried to say, hey, this two group of people's had struggles. They're allowed <laughs> to have their fucking shit. <laughs> let, it have, let them have theirs. That's like hip hop. That's theirs. And that's it. We're, we're running out of time, but like, I'm just going to say it here because again, I'm giving you all homework, specifically my brown friends and lovers. Go and do the fucking work. There is anti-blackness in brown circles and you need to go and fucking address it. Um, so I have two more things I want to talk about, OT. We've mm. kind of already been talking about it, but if you want to distill it into a succinct soundbite, who does hip hop belong to, OT? Hip hop is you and me. Fuck off. <laughs> hip hop belongs to no one. Hip hop belongs to Kendall from Succession. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the OG was at the door, mate. And that's it. A-N-O-T playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but seriously... You gotta appreciate where it came from, yeah. um, what they've done. Um, it's folly to think that you can just take all that right off the inspiration of a lot of people that, you know, it was not even seen as a fucking successful industry until recently. Yeah. You know, you get artists like Miley Cyrus taking advantage of that and then bouncing off once it served their purpose. Yeah. It's, it's part of buying into the culture that you don't want anything to do, with, you know, with or for. It's like you, you want black culture without the danger of black people. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that fucking shit stinks. Yeah. Um, but it's effective and it works, unfortunately. Yeah, it's so very commercial. The, so the culture is commercialized, but the people just don't fucking, people don't give a fuck about the people. No. So. <laughs> give us all the good stuff that is crystallized through all of your pain, but let's discard you specifically. Mm, yeah. And, and that's the sort of thinking that goes into all this or them trying and think that, oh, hip hop's dawns. Because you take away something that was created by a group of people that struggled a lot and they continued persisting until it became really popular. Yeah. And now once it's cool, then everyone's a piece. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to pay homage to wherever it came from because yeah. it existed in a fucking void. Yeah. And then now you're telling us that because it doesn't exist or whoever, you know, and, and this is the thinking, you know, this is where you'll get another fucking Elvis from. <laughs> I'm just, this is the second time I brought it up because when I listen, there's a fucking movie about it right now. And I'm That's just, OT Lerman. I'm not Woo-hoo. even going to give a fucking ah, frustrating <laughs> nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> and that's what it is. You know, you take something that people have been doing for such a long time, yeah, but they've been ignored. It's it's like, oh, so you really don't give a fuck. But unless it's coming out of a non-black person, then it's cool. Yeah. Um, and that sh- shit stinks. So fuck yours. Fuck your hip hops. <laughs> and whoever the hell you think the hip hop came from. And that's me, man. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm done with this shit. And that's why OT fucked your bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying fuck them and the click they claim, OT? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, I, I agree. Hip hop belongs to the US, but it doesn't mean that other people can't enjoy it or find some sort of meaning out of it. How fucking hard is that to understand? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, or maybe hip hop belongs to Jesus Christ. Yeah, maybe, maybe Jesus was a, was a, was a hip hop head. You don't know. Don't get all Pontius Pilate on me now. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. The last theme that I wanted to cover off, because again, it has been centered on brown people, the brown appropriating elephant in the room, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, but I absolutely want to cover blackness in general. And I think that is a great way to end the episode because again, it doesn't exist out of nowhere. Right. So I want to talk about blackness. I think in general, um, Atlanta in its most recent season had a great episode on this. Um, Kevin Samuels, rest in peace. I'm not sure how everyone feels about him. Um, but he was a very apt sort of figure, an apparition. Um, in that particular Atlanta episode, what I would say one of the best examples of cinema in television programming in a very long time. It was poignant and because Atlanta doesn't go for 60 minutes. Mm. Um, and the, the way that they were able to resonate a lot of varying degrees um, of, I guess, the gatekeeping of blackness, because it was done in a very funny way, but it was also done in a way um, that can resonate on a lot of levels. So I just want to talk about blackness in general, which you've kind of covered already, but I just want to close out the episode with this. Uh, I think it just depends on where I am or what side of the of, of the hemisphere I'm at. You know, it's, it's one way. If um, in Australia, my blackness means something different, especially for someone who grew up in a country with uh, a lot of black people yeah, and to suddenly not be in a majority of black people, it's weird. Yeah. And the things that I never thought I'd experience, mm. the things that you watch on TV and you're like, fucking hell, that stinks. And then you're like, oh shit, this shit's going to actually happen to me. Yeah. And you always think that it's not going to happen to you because you feel like you're so far removed from it until you are reminded that a, you're a black person. Yeah. Uh, and it's wild. So it's, it's one of those things that your blackness is, is exactly what, um, is fucking defined by the people around you. Yeah. The black experience is wide. And like I said, I really don't get the N word doesn't affect me because I didn't grow up like that. My yeah. culture and background is different, but coming here and being called the N word, you can know that that person is trying to elicit and, you know, a reaction and is being trying to uh, try to chip in my humanity you know and it's it's a uh, to that point i'm like fucking mate read a book i'm fucking from kenya it doesn't fucking really but you can still get it and you're like oh this shit stinks you know yeah, like you know what they're getting at like, you know what they're getting at it doesn't have to fucking educate it mm. so it's like a mind sweep of insult yeah and to that when I go to somewhere else, when I go back to Kenya, I'm not going to be called that. Uh, like, what would it do if you called each other? <laughs> <laughs> it's like both having fire abilities. Pointing at each other's <laughs> Spider-Man meme. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's wild. But it is what it is. And you got to, to appreciate, you know, you've got the ADOS people who really just want to distinguish themselves wild, away right? from black people in general. And it's, it's wild because once you take them away from that little ADOS title, then they're still black people. Yeah. And the world will see you like that. Yeah. So man, more power to you trying to get your identity. <laughs> it's important. We always want to know where we came from and our cultures and all that. They'll probably who you want to be yeah so i'm just gonna say once you leave that fucking border you'll be a black person real quick they won't say hey no say you you go to the side oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's sort of wild there's because there's no sorting buckets for anti-blackness yeah and, yeah and we're seeing this in ukraine where we get a lot of africans struggling to even get out just because hey you're black so but even people that have been living there for generations they've been they hope they only know you fucking ukraine so yeah and also contribute by being lecturers or, yeah it's wild yeah. it's wild so it's it's, it's like there's 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 no time because it's a crisis unless you're black <laughs> exactly like, and that's what we're thinking like it, something happened to australia i'm gonna fucking get anywhere yeah. hey the guys in the black those black guys eh? <laughs> move to the left <laughs> you can handle it you'll yeah, be you fine can, you can handle it you'll be fine you're yeah. right well i guess no maybe that's the test or ot mm. we set up that mock simulation and we'll see where the brown people go <laughs> yeah <laughs> if they come with the black fellas then we know eh? <laughs> you'll have all of the tongans uh claiming their german blood absolutely <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, and I, I guess I don't I don't really have anything else to add on that because as mentioned, as we are in the amplifying black voices, I don't wanna do anything aside from amplify your black voice OT. I feel amplified. <laughs> <laughs> is that hip hop? Uh, that is hip hop. And that's we how we invented hip hop. <laughs> this right here is hip hop, nothing else. <laughs> But I thought you said we is different to the black we in ADOS. Oh, no, no. This is, this is, this is, this is it, mate. Oh, and here is where we find out I did this episode just to ensnare OT. <laughs> did they call you Bodhi? Because I think that was entrapment. Mm-hmm. Well, we did it, friends and lovers. We had a sincere moment. OT ruined it. And I ended it in a wire reference. I think that's the best way to end it. It is. Thanks, friends and lovers, for joining us uh, another week in the For Your Reference household. Uh, We're going to finish off in a segment we call For Your Reference. OT. I'm going to reference young, famous and African because why the fuck not? Then you'll get to see the people who invented uh, uh, hip hop right there. (laughs) Africa's finest. Why are you spilling into our cold clothes? (laughs) (laughs) It knows no bounds like this, motherfuckers. With all of the depth, you just undid it in a fucking recommendation, OT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will reference a, a beautiful, um, ambitious display um, of displaying brown history. Um, the series, The Panthers. Nice. Um, if you'd like to tell OT what is open source hip hop on Twitter and Instagram, we're at for your pod. Write us an email at hellofrpodcast.com. We're also on Catch My Brown Hands podcast if you'd like to leave a rating and review. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye.